Hey, manufacturing world. This is Wade Anderson with Shop Matters, sponsored by Akuma. This podcast is intended to talk about all things manufacturing related. Joining me in the studio today, I've got a longtime friend, Mr. Bob Baldizi with Fastums. Welcome, Bob. Hey, welcome, Wade. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah. the uh, the offer to be here. Absolutely. I appreciate you coming and joining us. So tell us a little bit about Bob Baldizi to start with. Oh, boy. Start with the most boring topic. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I've been kicking around manufacturing for, for quite a while. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of my background is in the, the machine tool side, whether mm-hmm. it was servicing or applications or selling. Um, just recently moved over to Fastums and factory automation, um, only because uh, I really see a future there. I think that's where this industry is moving towards, uh, things like Industry 4.0 and and getting the most amount of data out of your manufacturing cells uh, is the future for manufacturing. So uh, happy I made the move yeah. and um, look forward to talking about it. All right. So tell us, you you kind of opened the, the, the door right to it. So. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about Fastums. Who is Fastums as a company, and, and what's your, your core strength? Well, sure. Well, you know, from the very beginning, uh, Fastums as a company was is actually been uh, started in 1901. And obviously, wow. we weren't making FMSs at the time, yeah. uh, but our core competency uh, was uh, importing machines and distribution of machines. Okay. Um, and did that for quite a number of years under various uh, names. Um, uh, other than Fastums. Um, an old friend of mine told me a long time ago that markets make business. Um, and our leadership at the time in the early 80s now uh, started looking at what turned into FMS. Hmm. Um, and in 1982, uh, we started uh, and produced our first FMS system, which, oh, by the way, 38 years later is still running. Okay. Um, so uh, from that point till now, uh, that is really where we've focused on. Um, to me, the terminology FMS is, a, is, is kind of a bucket. So define that. We use that a lot. You yeah. know, everybody from, especially on the Kuma side of things, FMS, we know exactly what that means. Right. But just in case people out there don't, what is FMS? Well, FMS really stands for Flexible Manufacturing System. Mm-hmm. So it's the ability to, uh, to feed a metal cutting machine uh, various parts at various times on demand, um, over and above the standard capabilities of the machine tool. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's really where we focus on, uh, but Fastums as a company also has uh, a a wide portfolio of products besides the typical FMS. So whether it's uh, load handling a a robotic arm in front of a lathe, Mm -hmm. uh, to uh, robotic finishing cells, uh, to uh, robots on a rail that can uh, uh, access various different types of machines, uh, whether they're machine tools or wash machines or CMMs. Um, right. That's that's what we do. Okay. So I, I always like your logo, um, 8760. 8760. 8760. What does that mean? <laughs> yes, that's the question I get everywhere I go. What in the world is that? What does 8760 fastum? <laughs> well, sometimes I think it's our combined IQ because we've got a lot of talented guys, uh, not, not including myself. But 8760 is the number of hours in a year. Uh, and our goal is to make, uh, to help your company enhance their spindle utilization and capability to maximize the the number of hours that that machine is running. Mm -hmm. Um, And ultimately the goal is 8760. Um, 
you know, somewhat impossible with maintenance and things of that nature, but always a goal. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a important uh, thing to distinguish is the goal. Um, you, obviously, we both know Larry Schwartz really well. And many years ago, Larry gave a riveting presentation, big speech, and he talked about how every manufacturer should have a goal of zero downtime, uh, changeover time, sorry. So, you know, where most people are looking at changeover time in hours or, or at least in minutes, he's saying your goal should be zero. And people say, ah, it's impossible. You can never get there. Yeah, but just think, as if that's your goal, how close can you get? The single-minute uh, single exchange of dyes, you know, that whole concept, people thought that was outlandish back in the day. And now they change dyes out in seconds. Um, so if you don't have that goal of virtually zero, you know, you'll, you're never going to know what could you actually accomplish. Yeah, and that, that, that's an interesting point, Wade, because it brings us – to where we are now, right, with, with current manufacturing with uh, CNC machining centers, whether it's a vertical or a horizontal or whatever it is, each one of them brings with it an average spindle utilization time. Mm -hmm. um, and people, there are some people that are quite shocked about how low they actually are. Yeah. Uh, you know, industry standard for a vertical is in the 30s. 30% right. spindle utilization, you know, if with a horizontal, you're doing good if you're in 65, mm -hmm. even though you have the ability to load and unload while the machine is running. People just don't have the infrastructure to maintain mm -hmm. that. There's always something uh, in the way of that operator making that happen. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I get into these these compelling discussions with, with uh, end users that, no, that's no way, this, it's that low, we've got this horizontal and, and it does everything. And then they start doing some research, um, you know, all these controls, and including the OSP, which which really pioneered it, uh, of giving you Mac machine management type, or as you call Mac man, Mac man, yeah, yeah, uh, information, and they go and they look at that screen, they go, oh wow, yeah, we really suck, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and that, we're not where we thought we were, exactly, and then that brings up where Fastums comes to the table. Yeah. Okay. So I've always known Fastums, uh, you know, primarily, you always think about how uh, certain words put an image in your head, right? So a lot of times people, when you hear the word Okuma, you kind of think lathe, you know, that was kind of what our bread and butter was early on, even though now we sell 51% mills uh, versus lathes. But uh, when I think Fastums, I think rows of horizontals on a big rack system, right? So what would you say, what is your bread and butter? What's your core competency? What's the bulk of what you do? Yeah, it's a, that's an interesting question. Um, and, and yeah, I tend to agree with you that, that, that people would associate FASMs with uh, some box with, with some pallet storage in front of a bunch of horizontals. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we do that, we do that well, and, and, and that's a common product for us. Right. Um, but you know, what we're seeing now um, uh, in, this, in the last several years is manufacturers looking outside of that, that box, so to speak, mm -hmm. and saying, yeah, that's all well and good, but we have a product. You know, maybe it's a, a, a rotating aerospace component or, or something of that nature, and it gets machined, and then it goes out for uh, some other type of process, and it comes back in, and then there's another process, and then it gets washed, and then it gets checked, and and a typical box with pallets on it doesn't necessarily achieve those goals. 
So we're getting a lot of inquiries from larger companies who have products like that and say, how can we manage that part from cradle to grave? Hmm. When the forging comes in the door to when it leaves and goes out to that engine manufacturer, just, just as, an, as an example. So how do I make my flexible manufacturing system more flexible? Exactly, right. exactly. And they're more interested in tracking it, mm -hmm. uh, which brings to mind Industry 4.0, um, and being able to get the data on of, about that part at any given moment throughout the process. Okay. Um, so uh, we are creating uh, systems that can do just that now. Hmm. So uh, that incorporate tool management, that incorporate wash stations, CMM stations, can track the part even when it leaves the cell um, and then when it comes back hmm. and then send all that data back to the customer's ERP system. Wow. So it, it's getting a bit more complex. So it's much more integrated than just automation on the factory floor. It's automating the entire process. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Now we still, you know, we still love our bread and butter customers who, who want to, uh, have a series of pallets mm -hmm. at their beck and call. Um, and just bring them in and take them out whenever they need to. Um, and customers want to do that for two reasons, really. One is for maybe overnight manufacturing, hmm. right? They want to get that spindle utilization. Um, they want to get that uh, one operator but three shifts mm -hmm. uh, uh, savings. Yep. Um, or we have guys who just want to have on demand, right? They want to be uh, agile enough for their customer to be able to create a part and ship it in a small amount of time. Mm -hmm. So we have guys, um, customers who will just put their fixtures up on our system for on demand. Okay. So when that demand comes, our software sees that part number, uh, uh, a need for that part number. It associates the program, the tooling, uh, the fixture, everything, and then brings that, that fixture to the, uh, to the load station and then the operator takes care of the rest. So eliminating a lot of your change over time. Exactly. So if you just had a two APC standing there by itself, you'd be stripping a, a pallet of fixture off of the machine, resetting it up. In this way, you're setting it up one time, then putting it into the system, then having a, a recall of it whenever that job comes back around. Exactly. Okay. And, and that's where we start getting higher and closer to that 8760. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So I always think in terms of, again, horizontals, you know, horizontal machining centers, pallets tied into things. Um, but you mentioned you're doing a lot more than just horizontals, right? You're looking at five axis verticals, uh, lays, things of that nature. Touch on a little bit of that on, you know, what type of products would you address? If I'm looking at a, a five axis machine, for an example, you know, what, what products would I be looking at that would be feeding multiple five-axis machines instead of a traditional horizontal-type setup? Yeah, that's, a, again, a good, uh, good point. Um, as a machine tool guy, you know where the growth is as far as machine tools are concerned, and mm -hmm. that's multifunction lathes and five-axis machining centers. Yep. Um, those are the, the two single largest areas of growth. Um, always a need for a vertical, always a need for a horizontal, but people are starting to see that being able to process as much of the part as possible in one, mm -hmm. in one clamping um, is the way to go. Yeah. So we've, we've adjusted along with that. So um, with that, uh, we've developed a product that we call Robo FMS, and it's a, it's a robot on a rail. 
and it okay. runs back and forth uh, in a linear fashion in front of these machines. You have machines on both sides or all four sides, if depending on your configuration. Mm-hmm. And instead of the traditional horizontal machining pallet, we'll use a, a zero-point pallet, zero-point style pallet from various manufacturers. Um, and that robot will grip on the, that, uh, that zero-point pallet and shuttle that uh, anywhere it needs to be. Um, so that would be for a five-axis application. Okay. Um, we also have, believe it or not, we have systems that incorporate both. So we have gripper changes in, in midstream. So now we can grab and actually do part handling with, okay. that, with that robot. So we go from zero-point fixture, park that, change to a gripper that now can, can grab a part and then literally load that that part into a multi uh, a multi uh, function uh, lathe right so a good application of that we've got customers that use horizontals for roughing for mm-hmm. an example so uh, maybe it's a titanium part and they're hogging 40 cubes of uh, titanium a minute and 6k spindle you know thousand newton meter torque and just hogging material out of it then they'll take that, move the, the uh, roughed out part over to the five axis where that's more high speed, agile, get to more sides of the part and do all the finishing work on the five axis. So then you're not trying to stuff everything, you know, uh, all the operations into one machine. You've got different machines that are dedicated for different processes, but you're feeding both of them. Yep, exactly right. And uh you know, one step further, that that roughing machine could be a, a, a uh, excuse me a vertical, hmm. uh, because again we're using zero point fixturing, yep. uh, so uh, you could have maybe a little bit less of an investment on the machine tool, or just bulk it up with with spindle and and, and capability for for that roughing, yeah. without having the need for the the pallet changer and things of that nature, and then move that along through the process. Okay. And, and our software keeps track of all that. We we develop a route. For the part and say so you start here go there go there and then come back yeah um and that route uh, obviously never changes because that's the part process okay and that's tied to the programs tied to the tooling tied to the part number ultimately so when i think of machining centers um if i'm going to automate it a lot of times my head goes to redundancy I, I need to have more capability than what i really need for one part um, both to have a library uh, to be able to pull from, but also have, if a tool breaks, have more tools, uh, redundant tools to pull from. Um, so if I buy a horizontal, you know, that's somewhat locked in time, maybe I bought a horizontal to begin with with a small ATC on it, then I want to look at adding an FMS system, something with multiple pallets, and now I need more redundant tools. Um, a lot of times, we start specking machines around having maximum ATC capacity, putting big matrix magazines. It's got multiple, uh, multi-hundred tools, uh, systems on it. You guys have ability to approach that from a different avenue, right? Yes, we do. We have two products, um, and basically it amounts to a central tool storage hive. Okay. Um, so depending on the density of the tools required, there's two different products. Um, but in essence, we have a separate library where we can store these tools. And uh, we utilize a robot or robots, depending on the product, to shuttle these tools from our central tool library to 
wherever it's needed, to whatever machine it's needed. So there's a rail above these machines with a robot that, that, that comes around and then tucks into the machine's uh, tool changer, takes tools out, pulls tools in. The beauty of this whole thing is our software keeps track of all the tools on a, on a global basis. Every tool that's in the machine, every tool that's in our library. Oh, wow. And then we, we poll the tool life management of every machine. So we're looking at the tool life of each individual t uh, tool within that system. So when a tool is getting to the end of its tool life, in conjunction with the machine's tool life management, we'll, we'll ask that a sister tool be used uh, for that particular part. And we'll take that first tool and shuttle it back to our system. And it'll go into an area, um, into a little tray or a little cart uh, that's uh, signified as no good. Mm -hmm. um, and then those tools now can be shuttled to the customer's uh, tool exchange area where he's, where his, maybe his, uh, his presetter is and where his insert library is. And now this, this individual could be refreshing those tools those tools come back in, uh, their tool life is reset, and now they're, they're back into the mix again. So we uh, manage all of that through our, uh, all of our, so uh, through our software. Okay. Um, so it's, it's really been a, um, a major um, uh, change or an evolution uh, in FMS uh, because, like I said earlier, aerospace uh, applications are, are really looking at, uh, at FMS mm -hmm. in uh, there's a lot of hard metal <laughs> yeah. in aerospace, and and subsequently there's you know these five or six minute tool lives, mm -hmm. um, which are just unmanageable when you have a small individual ATC per machine. Sure. So that gives you the opportunity to maybe take a, a machine that's got a smaller ATC, um, typically that that's less expensive, um, or redeploy a machine that you've already got instead of buying another machine and adding a giant ATC onto it. Going this route would give you some more flexibility from that that capacity. Um, what about, as you mentioned, tools expiring and things of that nature? What happens if I am in the middle of a cutting process and I've gone through three or four tools and I'm in the middle of a big heavy cut and my Karen T Max telling me, "Hey, this tool's starting to go," mm -hmm. and I, I'm out of redundant tools. Are you able to handle those kind of processes? Yeah, well, I mean, at that point, when we don't have anything else to put into the machine, um, then, of course, you know, the process is going to stop. Mm -hmm. um, the beauty of this, though, is because it's managed in one place, you can start looking at your tool mix uh, at a 40,000-foot level and start tooling up uh, to prevent things like that from happening. And that's where the, the ATC on the machine comes into play. That's where you want to put your... Uh, uh, your sister tools uh, mm -hmm. that it w be wearing out quickly um, and making sure that uh, that tool changer is populated with that. Um, you know, the other thing about this is that uh, just like our, uh, our part management or our program management, with tool management, we're looking days in advance, you know, in some cases 48, 96 hours in, in advance. Because we know the schedule of what this FMS is going to so see. So you're in the planning stages. Always in the planning stages. Okay. And we are prompting the operators, whether it's, the, whether it's the, the operator in front of our system 
or the operator that's in the tool room that's that, that's looking at an auxiliary screen that's sh that's showing the the master tool list he sees and gets prompted um, very early on yeah. um, that hey that tool is is not going to make it and by um, Tuesday, three, three days from now, you're going to have a problem. Right. Okay. And so now he can be proactive instead of being reactive. Yeah. Again, you know, that's the philosophy here is to be proactive um, ultimately keeps that spindle running. Yeah. And back to that 8760. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Keeps tying back in. That's right. It? Yeah, it sure does. All sure right. It does. So you talked a little bit about Industry 4.0. Mm. Um, define that for Fastums. Uh, how from a customer's perspective, look at it. If if you're the shop owner or the production manager, what is Industry 4.0 going to do for me? Yeah, well, you, you, I know you've heard this phrase before, but um, when you have a shop full of CNCs, you have these islands of information. Um, uh, that There's a lot of information in there, but um, tough to get that information out. Yeah. Tough to um, use that information and, and cross it between machining centers, mm -hmm. for example. With our MMS software, all the machines are, uh, are known to each other. All the data that comes from the machines is known to us. Um, so we know when there is an error uh, that's occurring. We know the, the amount of spindle hours that, that each machine has, has in front of it. Uh, we can schedule um, downtime for preventative maintenance and things of that nature. And of course, we know the customer's needs, the manufacturing needs, what their schedule is, how many parts they need, when they need it. Hmm. And so all that data now is available to our customers by reports. Uh, so okay. we can provide customized reports to our customers um, that show them exactly what's going on within the system, everything that we're working on, what the machines are working on, uh, how how many spindle hours each machine has, and what the percentage of the work is done at any given time. Uh, and then that gets fed back to their system so they have data on all the parts that are on the floor without having some guy with a clipboard running around trying to find them. Right. Uh, so uh, for we find that uh, to be an appealing uh thing for our customers they, they, they love data they want to see w what's going on um, we could swamp them with data with, uh, like the best of them but it's customized yeah give them as much as they want or as little as they want uh, and then we also utilize screens like this um, that we can attach anywhere um, with predefined what we call widgets mm -hmm. um, that just give on the fly data as far as what the what the system is doing so what's important to your manufacturing process at that moment in time? So you could define that based on their needs. Yep. Okay. So we've got customers who use that as a rally point for during shift changes. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll take a look and say, well, well, the second shift beat the first shift out. We've got to do better, that type of thing. Or, or just some pertinent data that uh, that helps them during their, uh, their shift meetings. Sure. Um, so uh, that's tying all that data together and providing it to our customers in, in, in a package uh, that's useful to them. Mm -hmm. um, to us, that's, uh, that's what Industry 4.0 means. Okay. That's something I think is uh, important is to be able to package it based on the customer's needs. Um, you know, we, we talk about the, you just mentioned the OSPEP control. Um, 
we can pull roughly 9,000 data points off that machine tool. You know, any Okuma machine with a P-series control, there's more data at your fingertips than you really know what to do with. You know, and it's great. You can throw big numbers like that out. But what really matters, you know, might be four data points, you know. So the other 8,000 and some change doesn't really matter. But there's four that could really affect your future. Exactly. And those are the ones that you really want to focus your time and attention on. Exactly. And that's the, the catering uh, to the data is the key. Yeah. yeah I remember, you know, the, the early days of, of, of mining those data points. And we had, uh, I remember, Akuma customers who, who, who wanted everything. And, and the data dump was just astronomical. There was no way any human could go through that and make any sense uh, to all those data points. You know, and, and that's the point you're making. Mm-hmm. Um, so with any system like that, um, we help the, uh, you know, our customers decide what, what's important uh, for their application and pull those together and let them at it. All right. So if I am a customer looking at a machine and I want to look into an FMS system, what considerations do I need to account for? What should I be thinking about before I jump into a system like that? The, I'll tell you that, that there's, a, there's two answers. There's an A and B to that, uh, to that question. You know, the, the first or the easiest part is what do you need to do to the machine tool? Mm-hmm. Um, so virtually, you know, every one of our partners has some sort of software um, uh, to interface with an FMS system. Uh, software and electrical interface. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in, Akuma's has been very robust for a very long time. It, it, there's no... Um, uh, mystery to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a matter of clicking off a couple of things on the option list, uh, and away we go. Um, and depending on our product, you, you know, there may be some uh, uh, hardware that has to change. Um, but it, relatively speaking, it's it's all understandable. And uh, like I said, a couple of clicks off the uh, the old uh, option list. From a holistic point of view. Um, this is a, a, a conversation I have with my customers all the time, is you have to feed the beast. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, here's something that's going to take you from you know, using the old horizontal parlance of 65% uh, spindle utiliz- utilization to well into the 80s um, you know, and, and beyond. Uh, you have to work on your infrastructure in, in order to feed this thing at that speed. Right. Um, otherwise, you'll have some disappointments, right? You know, our system is guaranteed 96% utilization hmm. um, right out of the box. That's impressive. Um, but if you can't feed the thing, yeah. um, uh, you never get there. Uh, so uh, the reality is, is what can you do in order to bulk up your ERP system, bulk up your, your production documents, bulk up your material in your inbound material flow, your outbound material flow. So all those things in between, uh, we're in between all those things. So we need to make sure that everything coming in and coming out is as smooth as it can be. Um, and then once that happens, then these things just run and run and run. And then you start looking, you start seeing that that high spindle utilization. Right. It's a process. Um, so it's really having your environment right up front. Yep. Um, I talk about that a lot with automation in general, not just you know FMS type system, but automation in general. All the pre-planning 
you know, all the work to me really starts in the pre-planning phase. By the time it hits that spindle on that machine tool, you're, you're executing, you're executing what you did upstream, you know? Right. So very good. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a lot of experience uh, with that. Uh, uh, our regional guys are all, uh, for the most part, ex-machine tool guys. So they, they know the, uh, the ins and outs of manufacturing. Um, we know the ins and outs of obviously uh, automation and FMS. So uh, we act as a, you know, as a guide um, uh, to help uh, customers understand some of the changes that they may have to make in order to, to get the most success out of these things. Right. Where do you see the future? What's, you know, I always like to ask everybody that comes on this thing, you know, what's here, what's now, and what do you see in the next five, 10 years? Where do you think machine tool, where, uh, not just machine tool, where do you see manufacturing going uh, is going to take us in the next five to 10 years? Yeah, that's a, that's a wild one. You know, um, it, it's interesting just in the last 10 years where, where, you know, the, the strides that we've, we've gone uh, to get to our, uh, the point we are now. Uh, you know, to me, it just seems that it's it's more of the same. Um, you know, it, you know, we throw these words around this industry 4.0 and, and things of that nature. It's more of that. Um, it's going to be maybe consolidation of systems that we're all uh, quite possibly running on a common system. Hmm. Um, you know, we've done a little bit about that with you know Akuma with with utilizing APIs. Yep. Um, you know, there, there are other um, systems out there as well. But maybe some more commonality that we all start using. Um, so the interfacing between all these manufacturing islands uh, becomes a little bit more streamlined. Um, so I would love to see you know a, a point where we just start plugging these things in with a with a common plug, and all yeah. of a sudden they start talking to each other, and then the end result is a customer now sees everything. Right. Um, Whatever is connected, all comes back to him. I think you make an interesting point because I know in the in the states we all talk about MT Connect and mm-hmm. things of that nature, and go to Europe, it's a lot of OPC UA and and that kind of protocol. So I do see uh, it would be nice from a global standpoint if we would combine and get one nice protocol that uh, globally everybody talks to. But uh, but yeah, that's that's an interesting point. The yeah. communication has changed so dramatically to your point in the last 10 years it's it's incredible where we were um in such a short amount of time and i think of the the evolution of machining speeds and feeds increases you know the technology changes but the real evolution or revolutions have been really on the communication side and how machines are integrated more to the business system oh absolutely and i see it even even from our from a service standpoint Mm -hmm. You know, all of our systems are, are capable of being tied in to the internet and then having our factory guys, whether they're in our uh, office in the, the United States in Ohio or our corporate office in Finland, having those guys tie into it um, and, and have some sort of a, uh, an event where they can virtually take control of the thing and, and look at data points and find out what's what's wrong right and and that's been wildly effective for us and to the tune of about 80 percent of the problems that that customers experience who call into our system are fixed hmm. in that manner without even the guy showing up um that's a high percentage rate it, it, that's it's, that's it's, excellent it's amazing but that these are the types of things uh that have changed you know to your point about where we were 10 years ago to where we are now we have all this technology now to be able to do that you know, we, our system is simple. It's not a machine tool. 
machine tools have some complications to them because what they do, they're, they're amazing machines. Uh, we're a pick and place robot, we take things from A to B, uh, and we embrace that, that KISS mentality because we are the thing that gets looked at uh, very heavily when things go down, right? Yeah. We could have six, seven, 10 uh, machining centers hooked up to our system and we, we go down, they're all down. Right. Um, so we really look at things, uh, scrutinize things, try to keep it as simple as possible and as robust as possible. And that's got us to a, our point with this, uh, with that high percentage of fixes over, over the internet. Again, getting closer to your 8760, right? <laughs> well, again, <laughs> now that you mention it, that's, uh, that's what it's all about. It's this, this logo continuously comes around in our circle. Yeah. Everything we do is tied to that. Yeah. Uh, so that's why we like to partner with robust machines like Akuma, um, you know, because you guys have a, a, a huge success rate as, as far as keeping them running. Mm -hmm. uh, so machine tools that, that, uh, that are robust and run forever, tied to systems that have the same virtues, um, again, get us closer to that 8760 mark. Yep, you're only as strong as your weakest link, That's right? That's right. Yep. 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 Very good. That rubber chain. Yeah, <laughs> rubber chain. <laughs> yeah. I've never actually heard that that line. I'm going to use that. Yeah. Well, Bob, thank you for your time today. Um, if people want to learn more about Fastums, how how do they reach reach out to you? How do they find you guys? Oh, we're all over the place. Uh, of course, uh, Fastums.com um, is is a great place for information. Where we have. Uh, videos. We have customer uh, testimonials. Uh, we have a contact info of, of all of our regional guys there. Uh, we have a big presence on uh, YouTube, uh, Vimeo, uh, if you want to see systems in action, mm -hmm. um, uh, things of that nature. So uh, all you have to do is uh, take a look at social media and you'll, you'll find us. But all right. Pick up the, the phone and we'll answer it as well. Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate the discussion around the FMS systems and all the automation uh, components that Fastums can bring to the table. Thank you guys for joining us this episode of Shop Matters. If you have any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, please feel free to reach out to us. You can find us at www.okuma.com forward slash shop dash matters. Till next time. Thanks. Thanks.